this morning to uh, uh, again say welcome to all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us today. Rock Church, would you let me borrow your hands and voice one more time? I need you to make a raucous applause in this place. Come on, we can do a whole lot better than that. Help me make some noise for all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord this morning. We're so grateful that you joined us today. And if you are here for the very first time this morning, you should have received a VIP invitation card. And that is just an invitation to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. We've got some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you just as a token of our thanks uh, that you would come and join us this morning. And uh, we hope that you feel welcomed here. We have a motto in this church that you are only a guest for five minutes. After that, you're just at home right here at the Rock Church. Amen? Would you turn around and tell somebody welcome home this morning? Come on, find some, find two or three people. Just tell them welcome home this morning. They're in front of you. They're behind you. Welcome home. We're so grateful. I feel like telling somebody in the building, the word of the Lord declares that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. I wish I had a church up in the building this morning. I said the word of the Lord declares, not Bishop Williams, but the word of the Lord declares that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Woo! How do you know, Bishop? Well, let me just give you some recent examples. Just a couple of weeks ago on Sunday afternoon, after being here all afternoon, baptizing people in Jesus' name and helping them pray while they received the gift of the Holy Ghost, Brother Leal was driving and involved in a massive car accident. He was T-boned and he should have been dead. But God, I just need a witness in the building. Let me put it this way. God made it fail. You see, the enemy hates a soul winner. 
that the devil hates a soul-winning church. And it's not an accident. But Brother Lil is not dead. He's here this morning with his hands lifted. And he's giving God the praise. Because God made it fail. Brother Lil, there's more where that came from. Miracles, signs, and wonders, and no weapon formed against you shall be able to... a few hours later Sister Stewart and Sister Skyler and Sister Jeanette and, 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 and Brother Stewart are, are rolling down the street when some random guy you can't make this up comes running from the side of the road across one lane of traffic over the median into the next lane of traffic, shooting a pistol and put six or seven rounds right from the front all the way to the back of Sister Stewart's car as she drove by. Blew the rear windshield out. One bullet lodged under the seat that Sister Schuyler was sitting in. One of the bullets came through the door and landed on the seat next to her. But God made it fail. My God, I feel something in the Holy Ghost. I just want to testify this morning to somebody that God made it fail. Come on, no weapon formed against you. that you're headed through the open door and no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Then just a couple of days later, brother and sister Wallace were going down the road and they were rear-ended by a massive F-350 truck that completely wiped out their vehicle. But you know what? He didn't wipe out the Wallace family uh, because no weapon uh, formed against them uh, shall be able. Uh, they're here this morning with their hands lifted uh, and give, we came to serve notice uh, on the kingdom of hell. Uh, you're messing uh, with the wrong church. Uh, said you're messing uh, with the wrong people. Uh, we've got a promise. Uh, hey. Glory. 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 
day. And our main character, while he's rehearsing, uh, has an accident and his chin is split wide open the evening before Resurrection Sunday. Uh, and they've got to take him to the hospital uh, to get stitches. Uh, you know what, devil? Uh, God made it fail. He was here the next day. Uh, I don't care if I got to put a bandage on my chin, stitches in my chin. Uh, I don't care if I got to get a rental car. Uh, care if I gotta make an insurance claim devil if you think I'm gonna back up one inch come on I came to encourage somebody that no weapon formed against you the weapon might be formed but it will not prosper where the word of the Lord says the more uh, God's people were afflicted uh, the more they grew uh, so get ready uh, cause God's gonna bring increase uh, get ready brother Stewart uh, God's bringing increase uh, get ready brother and sister Wallace uh, God's bringing come on somebody uh, I wish somebody with some faith uh, would throw your hands in the air uh, and declare the favor uh, of the Lord uh, upon me uh, in this you know why he fights so much because that Sunday coming out of all that stuff several people were baptized well let's back up to Friday night Friday night the 7th uh, hallelujah Friday night the 7th uh, Andrea was baptized in Jesus name uh, for the remission uh, of her sin this is a direct result of outreach uh, my wife and I knocked on her door uh, while we were doing surveys a couple of weeks ago uh, we prayed for her at her front door uh, she started being taught a bible study uh, by sister Navaletta. Uh, she showed up into the house of the Lord uh, she was baptized in Jesus name uh, for the remission uh, of her sins that Sunday, uh, several people received the Holy Ghost uh, in the altar call. Uh, and then, uh, after the service, uh, Isabella was baptized in Jesus' name uh, for the remission of her sins. Then Shaylin was baptized in Jesus' name uh, for the remission of her sins. Then Shalia was baptized in Jesus' name uh, for the remission of her sins. Then Shawanus was baptized in Jesus' name uh, for the remission of her sins. Then Jaden was baptized in Jesus' name uh, for the remission of her sins. Uh, then Obed was baptized in Jesus' name uh, for the remission of his sins. Uh, and four of them uh, received the gift uh, of the Holy Ghost. Uh, come on, you want to know why the enemy fights? Uh, that's why the enemy... Tuesday night, uh, Sister Tabitha preached.
preached a powerful uh, word from the Lord in this place. Uh, and when she was done, uh, Shaquarius was baptized was, or received the gift uh, of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. Uh, I think we ought to give God uh, a great big praise in this house. Come on, you're part of a victorious church. Uh, you're part of a triumphant church. And everybody grateful for the victory of the Holy Ghost in this place. Amen. I know they're not here in the building. They're involved in children's ministry this morning. But a lot of the rest of the team is. I want to again take an opportunity to say a great big thank you to Pastor Hammond, Sister Black, and the entire team that worked so hard to make Broken a tremendous success last Sunday. Would you help me one more time? Put your hands together and thank God for all of their labor, all of the staff, all of the, the different teams that made this possible. What an amazing time we had in the Holy Ghost last weekend. Amen, somebody. Somebody say fifth Sunday. Two weeks from today is the fifth Sunday of the month. And as you know, every time there's five Sundays in a month, the fifth one is Friends and Family Day here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers. And so in two weeks, it's going to be fifth Sunday. We want you to grab everybody you can and get them here to the house of the Lord. We're going to feed everybody lunch. There's going to be some fun for the whole family after the service. And we're going to have a Holy Ghost crazy time in this place. Amen. Our guest that Sunday will be none other than Bishop Holmes. All the way from Little Rock, Arkansas. Come on, he's going to be in the house of the Lord with us in a couple of weeks. Anybody excited about what the Lord wants to do in this place? Let's put our hands together one more time and give God a praise this morning. Amen. Grab your Bibles if you would. Remain standing on your feet. If you're not on your feet, we ask you to stand with us as we prepare for the entrance of God's word into this house. Amen. We, it is our custom to stand in honor of the word of the Lord. Amen. After this moment in the service, you'll see a whole lot of people standing up, but that's because they want to. Amen. And uh, but we thank you for honoring God's word. Last night, I, after traveling all day from uh, the northwest uh, to get home, I settled in at our place last night and was feeling after what God wanted to do. And out of the middle of nowhere last night, there was a, a weight that began to settle upon me. And it became so pervasive that I, I, I looked over at First Lady and I said, Honey, I, I, don't, I don't know what this means. I, I don't know what it is, but there is a, a, a weight, almost a weight of despair that, that has just is, is trying to, to settle on me. I feel a, a, a weight almost of, 
of despair of it sitting on me. And, and after a little while, I, 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 I couldn't shake it. I, I came over here to the church for a little while and, and immediately it was as if God said, I want you to preach somebody out from under that weight on Sunday morning. So I don't know who you are this morning, but there's some people in this house that have been walking up under darkness and weight and despair and discouragement. It was so detailed that, that, that there was a sense almost of hurt in the despair that I was feeling, almost a sense of being being hurt or wounded that was in the weight. But I came to preach to somebody, there's victory in this house today. God knows exactly where you are uh, and God knows exactly uh, where he's taking you. Uh, all God needs you to do is lift your hands uh, and step into this dimension of faith this morning. Uh, God's got a word for you in this house. Amen. First Kings chapter 18 is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me this morning. First Kings chapter 18, verse 36 says, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said... The prophet commences with a simple 63-word prayer. And he says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench and when all the people saw it they fell on their faces and they said the Lord he is the God the Lord he is the God and Elijah said unto them take the prophets of Baal and let not one of them escape and they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there whoa what a victory chapter 19 verse 1 opens up and says and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done do you know that every time there's a victory in your life there are demons who are reporting back to the kingdoms of hell come on somebody the enemy's keeping track of your wins 
came and told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Jezebel said, you, you can take it to the bank. By this time tomorrow, I'm going to do to you what you did to every one of those prophets. And the Bible says when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah. I don't have time to preach the significance of Beersheba and Judah. And he left his servant there. Listen to verse 9. And he came thither unto a cave. And most transliterations in the next statement says, and he hid himself there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant uh, and thrown down thine altars uh, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, uh, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. The first phrase or first sentence of verse 9 says, And he came thither unto a cave and hid himself there. And for a few moments this morning, I simply want to preach. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody in the building. Come out, come out, wherever you are. I wish somebody with some faith in their spirit uh, would put your Bibles down right now uh, and put your hands together uh, and give God uh, a praise. Uh, come on, it's not time to spectate. Uh, it's time to participate uh, in what the Lord uh, is ready to do in this sanctuary uh, right now. Somebody give him some praise. Somebody with faith, give him some real praise. You can't praise him with your mouth closed. Woo. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. For years, men have fled to caves. The Mayans called the caves Shilvava, which means the place of fear. Some Jews survived World War II by hiding in caves 
in the Ukraine known as the priest's grotto. David, when he was <clears throat> fleeing in fear from Saul and King Achish of Gath, hid himself in the cave Adullam. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. It is indicative of the behavior of distress to hide in a cave. It is indicative of somebody who is stressed out, who is discontented to hide themselves into a cave. Perhaps one of the most famous accounts in history is the account of a man by the name of Shoiki Yoko. Shoiki Yokoi was conscript or conscripted into the Imperial Japanese Army in 1941. Initially, he served with the 29th Infantry Division in Manchuko. And in 1943, he was transferred to the 38th Regiment in the Mariana Islands. And he arrived on Guam in February of 1943 when American forces liberated the islands uh, or the island in 1944 at the Battle of Guam. Yokoi went into hiding with 10 other Japanese soldiers. And on the evening of January 24th, 1972, some 28 years later, Yokoi was discovered in the jungle. <clears throat> he was found by Jesus Duenas and Manuel de Gracia, two local men who were checking their shrimp traps along a small river, river on Tolofofo. They had initially assumed that Yokoi was a villager, but managed to surprise and subdue him, carrying him out of the jungle with minor bruising. For 28 years, he hid in an underground jungle cave, fearing to come out of hiding, even after finding leaflets declaring that World War II had ended. You understand that once you start running down the road of fear and discouragement, it becomes one of the hardest and most narrow roads to try to turn around on. Fear and discouragement will paralyze you. And once it causes you uh, to set your life uh, and your thinking uh, in motion, uh, running uh, and hiding uh, and wilting backwards uh, in fear, uh, it becomes uh, one of the most difficult uh, scenarios uh, to turn uh, yourself uh, around in. There is something mysterious about the darkness in a cave. I remember as a little boy, me and my cousins would often stay with one of my uncles 
And whenever we would stay at his house, we were relegated to staying in the bedroom in the basement of the house. We don't know about basements here in Florida. But that old basement was before they had fire codes. And there was no windows in the basement. It was dark and cold and quiet. And the perfect place to terrorize your nephews. And my uncles were pranksters. They derived great joy and pleasure tormenting us. And so one particular night we were staying at that uncle's house and one of our other uncles was there and we went down, down, down into the dark. And when it was time to go to bed, we all scooted a little closer to each other. And the lights went out. And just a little bit into the night, after about five or ten minutes, one of us said, Are you asleep? No, I'm not asleep. Asked the third cousin, You asleep? No, I can't go to sleep. The other cousin, are you, are you scared? No, I'm not scared. You're scared. No, I'm not scared. You're... What was that? My uncles were taking advantage of the situation. And unbeknownst to us, there was a vent right above our heads that led to a vent right above us. And they were laying down on the floor over the vent above us. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. Go turn the light on. I'm not turning the light on. You turn the light on. Uh, ah! Was that you? No, I, I, that was you. Turn the light on. I'm not turning the light on. You turn the light on. Uh, uh, what's going on? Turn the light on. All of a sudden, I felt warm liquid going all over the bed. nothing to be afraid of but when you're in the darkness of the cave your perception of everything uh, gets messed up 
and what you cannot see uh, turns into fear uh, and the unknown uh, is able to influence you uh, in a way uh, that cannot happen uh, when you're outside uh, of the cave uh, can I just preach to somebody uh, in the place tonight or this morning uh, the longer uh, that you are in the cave uh, the more influential uh, the enemy's voice becomes uh, in your life the longer uh, you hide uh, in the cave uh, the more accentuated uh, the voice of the unknown uh, becomes uh, your ability to identify uh, sounds uh, and innuendos uh, and voices of fear uh, become indistinguishable uh, from voices uh, of faith uh, when you're sitting uh, in uh, the darkness uh, come on I'm preaching to some people uh, that God sent me here uh, to tell you uh, it's time uh, to come out uh, of the cave it's time to get out of that cave and God's not going to come and get you out <laughs> you gotta make up in your mind uh, I'm coming out of it Come on, I know I'm preaching to some of you. Uh, can you hear me uh, down in the dark? Uh, can you hear me uh, in the depth of fear uh, and discouragement? Can you hear me uh, this morning uh, all the way uh, in the back of the cave uh, that you've been hiding in? Uh, I came uh, to preach to somebody. Uh, this morning it's time uh, to come out uh, of your cave. It's time to come out uh, of the darkness. You see, there is a, a pathos that begins to develop when you're living in the darkness. There are particular ways of interpreting things and thinking things that affect your mindset. Oh yeah, the Japanese man that was running and hiding is a perfect example. The longer you remain in that place, there is something in the study of the mind, literally we call it pathology or a way of thinking. They use that term on purpose because the word path indicates that there is a place that has been worn down and created because of the traffic that keeps going through the same spot over and over. That's how your mind works. When you get used to thinking a certain way, when you get used to responding and interpreting things a particular way, you develop a pathos of thinking until pretty soon when the water comes and sheds on a mountaintop, it finds the paths that have been worn out before for, uh, and no matter how the water falls, uh, it's going to come right back uh, to the same river, uh, to the same path, uh, to the same channel. Uh, and if you're not careful, uh, as the longer you live in the dark, uh, you create pathology of thinking. Uh, and so it doesn't matter what you experience. Uh, it doesn't matter what environment you're in. Uh, you keep interpreting everything uh, in the context uh, of the cave uh, that you've been living in. Uh, and the problem is, uh, is that even when you find 
find a leaflet uh, that tells you the war is over uh, and tells you there's nothing to worry about any longer, uh, that tells you there's no longer a threat. Uh, you stay living uh, in the same pathology uh, of thinking uh, as when you were in uh, the cave uh, and people that are trying to help you, you interpret it uh, as they are trying to attack you. Uh, people that are trying to bless you, uh, you're trying to figure out what their motive is. Uh, people that are trying uh, to encourage you, uh, you think they're being fake uh, and they're being for what's wrong. Uh, there is a pathology uh, of thinking uh, that has happened in the cave uh, and it doesn't matter who tells you uh, you're blessed, uh, you're afraid uh, that you're cursed. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times uh, God tells you uh, my hand of favor is on you. Uh, you feel like you're living under a curse. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times uh, God opens the door uh, you run to the back of the cave uh, instead of coming out uh, because you're afraid uh, of what freedom looks like uh, but God sent me uh, into this house today uh, to tell somebody uh, it's time uh, to come out uh, of the cave uh, come out uh, come out of the darkness uh, come, I'm preaching to somebody right now Come on, somebody better lift your hands and open your mouth right now. Come on, lift your hands. Open your mouth. God's talking to you in this place. It's time to come out of the darkness. I don't care if you've been there two months or two years or 20 years. God sent me this morning to preach a word to you, to tell you it's time to quit living in fear. It's time to quit living in darkness and doubt and distress and worry. Come out. Come on, somebody respond to the Holy Ghost. Come on. Come on. Come on. That voice that you think is a big, bad, destructive force is nothing but a whisper of an enemy who's trying to deceive you. Those voices that strike fear in your heart are nothing more than a trick of the enemy. Get up and turn the light on and let hell know I'm coming out of the cave. I'm coming out of the cave. Come on. I'm preaching to people that if you're not careful, you'll waste years of your life hiding in a cave instead of living an abundant blessing. You'll spend years of your life pointing at what happened yesterday and the threat that was on your life in previous years when God said, I already eradicated the threat. I already handled the problem. Come on. I got a devil by the tail this morning. You see, your God is omnipresent. And he's not just omnipresent geographically, but he's omnipresent chronologically. And that means he is not restricted by time and space. 
And so when God shows up in your today, he can show up in your yesterday at the same time. And it doesn't matter what happened to you. It doesn't matter who hurt you. It doesn't matter what you experienced. It doesn't matter what your mistakes were. When God shows up, he goes into your yesterday. And it's not just a healing from today forward. But God goes into your past and he brings healing and deliverance and restoration. And I came to preach to somebody in the building. You don't have to live the next 30 days under the darkness of yesterday. You don't have to live the next three years of your life afraid and discouraged and discontented. God sent me here to tell somebody come out come out wherever you are get out of the cave get up on your feet get your eyes off the darkness get your ears attuned to the word of the Lord in this it's not the will of God for you to keep stumbling on your yesterday I just feel this in the Holy Ghost you need to quit being the poster child for pain And Joseph's wife who named her son and said I'm going to name him because of the pain was it Benoni? because of the pain of my labor oh it's, it's part of my life I'm going to name my child because it's my reality it's what I've been through but thank God for a husband who had enough Holy Ghost sense to say that may have been my past but it's not my identity I'm not naming him that I'm naming him Benjamin son of my right hand I refuse to let my life be defined by what happened in the dark by what happened in the cave I came to preach to somebody it's time to resign your identification as the person that was abused as the person that was hurt as a come on it happened to you but it's not who God created you to be need some shouters in the building huh? if you want to reach somebody with your testimony huh? don't focus on the pain huh? focus on the deliverance huh? tell somebody huh? you don't have to live in that mess huh? tell somebody huh? there's hope tomorrow huh? tell somebody huh? he'll make a way huh? in the middle of the dark huh? In the middle of the night, in the middle, I wish I had. I recently had a man of God come to me in an altar call who was privy to a situation of attack.
against my character that had made its way around and he said he said Bishop Williams he said whatever you do don't let the enemy make you a poster child as a victim <laughs> don't advertise for the dysfunction of the enemy you know what? I refuse to live my life defined uh, by the attack, uh, defined by what somebody said about me. Uh, I refuse to live my life uh, and my entire uh, position uh, is, is trying to denounce uh, what other people say. Uh, you know what? Uh, God bless you. Uh, you can say what you want. Uh, you can do what you want. Uh, but I've got a blessing uh, with my name on it. Uh, I've got a promise uh, with my name on it. Uh, Come on, somebody. It's time to come out of the cave. Come on, I'm preaching to people right now. I tell you what I'm struggling with is your pathology. Because while I'm preaching a word, you're letting that word just find its way right into the same rut of thinking that you display over. It's the reason why you continue to live in the darkness. It's the reason why you continue to live in the cave. But if you're going to get a freedom in this place, you need a renewing of your mind. You need a renewing. How does that happen? By praying in the Holy Ghost. You see, there's only one way to get deliverance from destructive pathology. You know how you do it? You gotta destroy the old path. You gotta go in there with a the rototiller, Brother Stewart. You gotta go in there and drop the backhoe and just mess it all up and level all the ditches up. I'm not thinking that way anymore. I'm not gonna let my mind entertain that any longer. I refuse to keep, come on, some of you, God has put all of that stuff beneath the blood and you got blood on your hands because you keep reaching underneath the blood and pulling back up what God already healed and you keep pulling up what God already delivered and you keep pulling back up what God already said, come on, it's time to destroy the old pathos and say, I refuse to live in this cave. Somebody ought to just start stomping all over the path. You ought to start stomping all over that path. I'm not going to walk that way any longer. I'm not going to think like that any longer. I'm not going to respond like that any longer. Oh, let this mind be in you. I'm preaching to people stuck in cycles. Cycles of dysfunction. Cycles of trouble. Walking around to the same places over. It's a pathos. It's a path that you've worn grooves deep into that path. But I declare by the power of the Holy Ghost that today God's about to anoint you to destroy the old paths. God's about to anoint you in this building to come up out of that cave, to come up out of that darkness, to come up out of that thinking and be everything that God has 
Come on. There's a reason why you keep coming back to the same failure point. There's a reason why you feel like you do better and then you end up facing the same challenges over and over. Why? You're walking around in a cave. You're walking around in a cave and there's a path that's worn. And the more you walk it, the deeper it gets and the more difficult it is to climb out of. But I declare unto you that the Holy Ghost in just a moment's time is able to destroy that old way of thinking. He's about to set before you a new path. He's about to, come on. One writer said that he prepares away from me. I refuse to live in a cave in the jungle while the rest of the world is blessed and moving forward and prospering. Not because I'm stuck there, but because my mind is stuck there. The door's open, but I can't walk out of it. Come on, God's made a way, but I can't see it. Come on, God is ready to bring you out. longer you stay in that cave the more fears you begin to develop that one by one their coils restrict you fear of being hurt fear of being lied to fear of somebody inflicting pain fear of being deceived fear and before you know it you're living a life that is defined by nothing more than risk aversion whole life is defined by trying to play it safe and it's a false facade if I'll just stay in the cave then I'm safe from harm if I'll just know as long as you're in the cave your life is passing before you uh, come on and your mind is being destroyed uh, one thought at a time uh, there's only one way to get deliverance uh, you've got to come out of the cave <laughs> the longer you're in the dark longer things grapple with your mind you know people have all kind of fears we call them phobias people become discouraged and fearful of some of the craziest things things like pelodophobia is a real phobia you know what that means a fear of baldness and bald people Doesn't that sound crazy? But to the person who has the fear, they would be offended if you laughed at them. Uh-huh. Aerophobia. Fear of drafts of air. Look them up. They're real. Porphyrophobia. Fear of the color purple. 
This is what happens when you live in the dark. Chadiophobia, fear of hairy people. Okay, I'll give him one on that. Levophobia, fear of objects on the left side of the body. Dextrophobia, fear of objects on the right side of the body. Aurorophobia, fear of the northern lights. These are real phobias, clinically diagnosed phobias. Caliprophobia, fear of, of, of obscure meanings. Thassalophobia, fear of being seated. Stabus basophobia, fear of standing and walking. Some of y'all got that fear. Don't be afraid to stand up out of your seat and move. I bind the spirit of Stabus basophobia. Odontophobia, fear of teeth. Graphophobia, fear of writing in public. Phobophobia, fear of being afraid. Fear will drive you into a cave. Jezebel threatened Elijah. And fear drove him into a cave. You know, we see terrorism continuing to incline in America. It's not just terrorism from other countries, but it's the spirit of fear working in our society. What do you think happens every time somebody walks into a school with a gun and shoots everybody up? Do you th when they don't even know who the people are half the time. They're trying, they're being used by the enemy to evoke a sense of fear. What do you think happens when these events take place? It is a spirit of fear. We've been dealing with terrorism our whole walk with God. Satan is a terrorist. The Bible says that he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking. He doesn't go about as a crouching lion. He doesn't go about as a sneaky lion. He goes about as a roaring lion. What is the purpose of the roar? It's to intimidate you. It's to paralyze you. If he roars loud enough, you'll become immobilized. If he roars loud enough, you You'll run in fear. We've been dealing with the terrorist our entire walk with God. I wonder what kind of a cave some of us in this room have been driven into this morning. Come on. Come on. God showed me some of you last night hunkered down in your cave paralyzed by fear paralyzed by the unknown questioning everything you do questioning every decision you make questioning everything you put your hand to if, if you listen to what happens when you're living in the cave every time you face resistance you try to interpret it 
and you interpret it as uh, I made a bad decision. I did the wrong thing. Uh, oh, I'm going to, uh, come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about right now? Uh, uh, maybe, oh no, I messed up again. Uh, oh no, uh, I'm worthless. Oh no, uh, I, I don't have what it takes. Uh, no. You better hear this man of God. Uh, there was timing uh, to the threat uh, of that old Jezebel. Uh, she came uh, right after Elijah's uh, greatest uh, victory. She sent a word after he just slew 500 prophets of Baal. You better hear me good, devil. I just slew 500 prophets of Baal. I'm not worried about a letter from some hussy setting up in a tower somewhere. The devil is a liar. Some of us have prayed and watched God do the miraculous. I just need two witnesses in the building that'll amen that. Let me give you one more chance. Some of us have prayed and watched God do the miraculous. Do you think it's a coincidence uh, that right after some of the greatest victories uh, that the voice of Jezebel uh, wants to drive you into a cave uh, and get you full of fear uh, and get you full of, come on somebody, uh, I came to preach to you. Uh, it's time to come out uh, of that cave uh, and do uh, what God has called you to do. Uh, come out of the cave and be uh, who God said you are. Woo! The longer you sit in that cave, the more hope begins to die in your life. And you become increasingly afraid to come out of the cave, even though the war's been over for 27 years. You become acclimated with the false sense of security in your cave. And the longer you stay in, the more you lose hope in ever coming out. And here's what happens when you lose hope. Proverbs, I think, chapter 13 says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick some of our emotional challenges are being derived because we've lost hope oh I came to preach to somebody in the building what the doctors want to diagnose as an emotional disorder is nothing to do with any kind of doctor's diagnosis it's the enemy has caused you to resign hope uh, that's in your life. You don't need a doctor to, to diagnose you. Uh, I gave you the word of the Lord right here this morning. Uh, hope uh, deferred uh, maketh uh, the heart sick. Now let me break this down further because some of you are missing it. When you talk about the heart in the scripture, it is almost synonymous with the mind. It's the center of emotion and thinking. It's not mental illness that you're dealing with. It's no hope in your life that you're dealing with. 
You don't need Prozac. You need the Holy Ghost. Come on, I said you don't need Ritalin. You need the Holy Ghost. You don't need a prescription. You need a Holy Ghost prayer meeting. You need to make up in your mind, I'm coming out of the darkness today. I'm coming out. I curse that lying devil in Jesus' name this morning that wants you to be addicted to fear, that wants you to be addicted to psychosis, that wants you to be addicted. Come on, the devil is a liar. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. I came to preach to somebody. God is bringing you out. God is setting you free in this place. Listen to me good. Listen to me real good. The voice of the enemy in so many words is trying to tell you, don't get your hopes up. You hearing me? Don't get your hopes up. In other words, live in fear of failure. That's all that statement means is be afraid that it's not going to happen. Don't get your hopes up because all it's going to lead to is disappointment. Don't get your hopes up because all it's going to do is lead to you. You know what it is? It's the fear of failure. I'm preaching right where somebody's living. But I want to tell you something. Failure is a part of success. You got to quit running from failure failure, and start running to your failure. I just need a witness in the building. The more you fail, the closer to success you become. Don't you let the devil talk you into being afraid of making a mistake, afraid of losing something, afraid of failure. The devil is a liar. The road to success is paved with failure and mistakes. Failure and mistakes are nothing more than God's mechanism to teach us, to strengthen us. Come on, I wish I had a witness in the building. I'm preaching to somebody. A spirit of perfectionism has caused you to be paralyzed. Because every time you've made a mistake in your past, somebody responded the wrong way. And now there's a pathos in your mind that says, I don't know if I can handle the trauma of the mistake. And God's wanting to turn you loose in this place this morning. God wants wanting to free your mind and cause you to come on. It's time to jump off that cliff. It's time to do what God said to do. It's time to walk in freedom. And if I fall down, guess what? I'm going to get back up again. A righteous man falls seven times. What makes him righteous is he keeps on getting back. Come on, somebody needs to quit being afraid of failure, afraid of mistakes, afraid of your past, afraid of your pain. God is setting somebody free in this place this morning.
And the longer you listen to that voice, the more anxiety you'll deal with. Because your heart becomes sick when hope is deferred. The longer you listen to that voice, the more fear. That's all anxiety is, is it's fear. You start dealing with that. The longer you suppress hope in your life, the more increased the what-ifs become in your life. And you start living your life completely saturated in what-if scenarios. What if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? Somebody shake yourself. You're living in a cave of fear. I'll tell you what if. If it happens, then give God a praise and trust him to bring you out. If it happens, give God a praise and trust God to start it over again. If it happens, give God the glory. Don't get your hopes up. That is antithetical. I know this is a different Sunday morning. That is antithetical to kingdom culture. Because kingdom culture says faith is the substance of things. Your faith has nothing to operate in if you have nothing to hope for. So I'm going to tell you the opposite of what the voices in the cave are telling you. It's time to get your hopes up again. Who am I preaching to right now? It's time to get your hopes up again. I don't care if you fail three times. Get back up and get your hopes up again. I don't care how much resistance you face. Get your hope up. Get out of the cave. Get out of the darkness. Crawl out of the fear. Let the Holy Ghost touch your mind. Come on. Come on, right now, somebody needs to move. I got more to preach, but the Holy Ghost is moving right now. Somebody needs to move in faith. Come on, I'm done preaching. Get up on your feet all over the building. Somebody needs to respond to the Holy Ghost. Come on, don't you worry about what your neighbor's doing. Don't you worry about anybody else. You ought to run to this altar. Throw your hands in the air and say, all right, God, create in me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit, God. Touch my mind. Touch my heart. Touch my thinking, God. Oh, come on. Somebody's coming out of the cave this morning. Somebody's coming out of the cave. Come on, the altars are full. I need the rest of us to come right now. Come on, step out of your pew. Step out of your seat. Step out of your seat. Find somebody to pray with. Come on. I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out of the darkness. I'm coming out of this
want you to hear me, please. Nobody moving around. I want you to hear me this morning. We're going to keep praying, but God wants somebody to hear what I'm about to say. Jacob's life was plagued with failure, mistakes, turmoil. And when God brought him across the Fort Jabbok, God faces him and asks him a question. And he says, What is thy name? Do you think God was missing information on this man's identity? Of course he wasn't. But he wanted the man to get a revelation of his self awareness. In other words, what do you call yourself? And he did like so many other people have been talked into doing by society. It's a popular psychological trend right now to encourage people just be true to yourself. Just be true to, your, to yourself. Well, you want to know what was true to his experience? Lying, failure, family dysfunction, loss, brokenness. And so you know what? He fell into the trap of society. And when God said, I want you to self-identify, you know what he said? I'm, I'm Jacob. I am who they say I am. I am a supplanter. And if you're not careful, you'll be true to the fallen version of you instead of the ideal version that God said you would be. I'm telling somebody in the Holy Ghost, quit being the poster child for brokenness. enemy's poster child for dysfunction it happened to you but it's not who God called you to be I'm just being true to myself God I'm Jacob it really did happen God said who told you that I never named you Jacob and from this day forward, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with man. I came to preach to somebody. It's time to throw away the old identity that the cave tried to put on you. And it's time to walk out of that place with God's identity over you. Come on, lift your hands. I'm not broken. I'm an overcomer. I was.
was broken. I was wounded. I did fail. But that's not who I am. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Come on, the Holy Ghost is working right now. Lift your voice. Come on, God's talking to somebody right now. Lay down your past identity. Lay down the hurt. You weren't designed to carry it with you the rest of your life. You weren't designed to haul it around with you the rest of your life. Come on. You went into the cave as Jacob, but you're coming out as Israel. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands. Come on. Come on, lift your hands. Let the Holy Ghost do a work right now. Let the Holy Ghost do a work right now. Come on, let the Holy Ghost do a work. Come on, come on, come on. Lift your hands. 